8.5 Just-in-Time Conversations. I'm your host, Justin Farmer, inviting you to be in community with us and conversations about ideas that matter with people making a difference. Today, our guests are Zach Muhammad of the Black LGBTQIA plus Migrant Project and Gail, uh, a member of the Free Paul White Coalition and former lawyer of Paul White. Thank y'all so much for coming on the show, being in community with us. Um, I, you know, I've heard about the organizing uh, uh, and I've seen some of the organizing. Um, and so, you know, if you can just, you know, encapsulate, you know, what's going on with Paul right now, why this, uh, this current campaign, what are the stakes, right? And then we can get into the, the larger picture of, of, of and complexities that are going on with Paul, but like, what is the Free Paul White Coalition? Where is Paul now? How is Paul doing? Yeah, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, again, my name is Zach Mohammed. I'm a deportation defense organizer with the Black LGBTQIA+. Migrant Project, if you don't want to say that mouthful, you can just call us BLMP. Um, and we are a organization that is uh, was created uh, due to the fact what the injustice and harm and oppression that Paul, who is a part of the LGBTQ community and also identifies as a migrant, was created. Um, and we have been a part of the case uh, since I believe June 2021 uh, when Leanne uh, reached out to uh, BLMP for detaining empowerment project uh, short for QDEP and La Collectiva uh, which is based uh, centrally in uh, the state of Virginia where Paul is currently detained at Caroline Detention Facility. Um, Paul, who identifies as a bisexual migrant, um, has uh, been facing so much uh, abuse and harm from the systems of detention. And uh, we've been advocating on his behalf um, for, what is it, um, a year and six months almost um so that tells you of just like the ways of his humanity and dignity has been stripped of how he has been put in uh, many different ways of not being able to be supported and how um everything that we have been trying to do has been um uh, has been told to us by uh the u.s government and um the legal system that all does not deserve to stay here and mm -hmm. we see that that is a huge problem especially as this country and the anti-blackness that we face is so prevalent and you see that even more within the immigrant prison system uh, i usually call it an immigrant prison detention center kind of downplays what 
the true reality of a lot of folks are. Um, this is a jail, this is a prison. Um, people are stripped of their humanity and dignity. And um, I believe uh, the folks that we've invited to be a part of the collective and coalition uh, outside of the three that I've named in the beginning were Freedom to Thrive, uh, Survived and Punished, and uh, Surge uh, New York Chapter, I believe. And I'll pass it off to Leanne, who can summarize a bit more about how it all started. Uh, how did Paul get into uh, the situation that he's in? Yeah, thanks for thanks for all of that framing and context, Zach, and thanks for having us on the show, Justin. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, Mr. White's previous immigration attorney, and the campaign all got started when I was representing him. Uh, I've now transitioned to sort of being an organizing member of, of his organizing team. And when I was working with him from the very beginning, just to give you a sense of, of who he is, um, he was always very vocal about the ways in which our immigration enforcement system, I mean, you hear it even in the language, immigration enforcement, right, as if immigrants are criminals, right, the ways in which our immigration system is anti-Black, in the ways in which it's unfair, the ways in which it tears families apart, um, he was always very vocal about sort of standing up for his own rights within the detention facility, Caroline Detention Facility in Virginia, um, standing up for the rights of others. And so it was really at his initiative when he hit a roadblock in his immigration case that he said, hey, Ms. Gale, I would like to go public with this. I think the only way that we're going to be able to get anywhere with my case, the, any, the only way that I'm going to be able to get released from this uh, immigration prison uh, is if we organize. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was really at his initiative um, that we started to do this, this outreach and, and beautifully these organizations sort of came together, Queer Detainee Empowerment Project, BLMP, La Colectiva, sort of at the very beginning, those were the three, um, almost immediately were like, of course, this person in detention is asking for help organizing for his liberation and the liberation of others. Yes, let's do that. Um, and I'm happy to share a little bit more about sort of what he's gone through since that time, both in immigration detention and, and what his case is, if, if that would make sense. Yeah, I, you know, I, I understand that he's in solitary confinement. So like, can you talk about um, the conditions of the facility, kind of what it's like to be there, uh, you know, kind of walk us through and, and have us see through Paul's eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, Zach will be able to speak more to sort of more broadly on what's happening with solitary confinement and ICE detention. I will say just specifically in, in Paul's case, he has been placed in solitary confinement. I've lost count of the number of times that he's been put in solitary confinement in this facility for days at a time. At this point, it's 45 days. We're expecting him to be in solitary confinement. Um, and every time I get worried, his loved ones get worried because it's a huge toll on his mental health, 
Um, and in fact, Mr. White um, attempted suicide one of the times that he was placed in solitary confinement. And the response was to, after he was brought to the hospital and treated, was to put him back in solitary confinement immediately after that suicide attempt. Um, and now he's, as somebody who is known in the detention facility to have mental health issues, to have previously attempted suicide in solitary, um, they've put him back in solitary yet again. Um, and so I'll pass it to Zach for a little bit more context on that. Yeah. Um, so just to give a bit of background uh, for myself, I've been doing uh, immigration uh, advocacy and organizing since uh, 2013. Um, I feel this is uh, very important to me as someone who identifies as a refugee from Somalia. Uh, I know personally firsthand of your home being taken away from you, how you have to flee the violence of persecution uh, and create a new home somewhere else. And even as I've been in the U.S., um, I've faced so much uh, different things, adversity, uh, but have been able to over, uh, overcome a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's not true for a lot of Black migrants in my uh, view. Um, I've been supporting many folks who have been in the detention system since 2013 of how many of them have been told, like I've been saying, this is not your home. Uh, you don't belong here, uh, you're not one of us, and um, you are better off in a home, in a place where uh, they don't also call you, uh, they don't welcome you in with open arms, they don't welcome you uh, with uh, a lot of the systems that are in place. And then um, particularly around the immigration enforcement system of how Black migrants are treated, uh, some of the data that we do have is Black uh, migrants are 6% of the folks in ICE detention. So that's already a low number. But when you think about some of the things that Black migrants face, uh, the number is around 26% of Black migrants um, talk about facing abuse and harm. Uh, we recently did a report. The report is called Uncovering the Truth violence and abuse against Black migrants in immigrant detention. And uh, we worked with Freedom for Immigrants, uh, Undocky Black Network, Black Alliance for Just Immigration, uh, to really think around the 17,000 calls we got uh, from 2016 to 2021, and then uh, aggregate the data, collect the data, uh, and how folks were talking about a lot of the things that they've been facing. So this uh, goes beyond just like the current administration that we've had. Uh, it talks about the administration when Obama was in office, when Trump was in office, and currently Biden in office. And we see the same things, uh, irregardless of who's in power. Um, we know that immigration enforcement is inhumane. Um, when it comes to Black migrants, especially Black LGBTQ migrants, uh, that number is high. Um, and the homophobia, transphobia folks face, uh, Paul himself has faced uh, anti-LGBTQ sentiments and 
um, comments and uh, just how it affects his mental and his social ways of being confined in being confined in ice uh, detention. And we have been asking for folks to help us organize, uh, come together, being able to support Paul and get him free, which is our uh, mission so that he can go back to his loved one, so he can go back to his daughter, his community. Uh, Paul deserves the opportunity to live his life without uh, fear, without being persecuted, um, and that he is uh, fighting for himself and he's fighting for other people in Caroline Detention Facility as he understands that it's not just about him getting freed, it's about all of them getting freed. Definitely. Um... Leanne, can you talk more about, you know, Paul's case, kind of who Paul is? Yeah, I'm happy to. So um, Paul White is, as, as we've mentioned, a Black bisexual migrant who um, actually has lived in the United States for his entire adult life. Um, so I think that's important to note. Um, he lived here as a lawful permanent resident for around 20 years. Um, and he is seeking protection in the United States under the Convention Against Torture, uh, which is an international treaty that the United States has obligated itself to under our own statutes and regulations, because he has received credible and repeated death threats um, because of his sexual orientation in his home country. Um, and we don't share his home country for his own safety uh, at his request, because there is still a very good chance that he could be deported and forced to return there. Um, but it is notoriously one of the most homophobic countries in the world. Any type of same-sex intimacy between men is criminalized. Um, and there are very high rates of anti-LGBTQ violence and murder every single year. Um, it's a place that a lot of my queer friends are afraid to travel on vacation. You know, it's it's a country that is absolutely a place where if he's received these death threats, we believe and we're fearful that they would be carried through um, if he were to be forced to return there. Um, he went before an immigration judge, uh, presented his case, and was denied uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, that immigration judge was appointed by Trump and denies over 97% of all asylum claims that come before his courtroom. Uh, after, he, after his case was denied, he went to the Board of Immigration Appeals. Uh, the Board of Immigration Appeals took months to adjudicate his case. The whole time, Paul White sat in, in, in immigration prison waiting for his case to be decided, only for the Board of Immigra Immigration Appeals to also deny his case. Again, the judge who made the decision was appointed by Trump, was a former immigration judge out of Texas, and also denies sort of upwards of 95% of any asylum claim that has ever come before him. Mr. White then took his case up to the Fourth Circuit. Um, for a petition for review. The Fourth Circuit denied his review. 
And so at that point, he was almost going to be deported. He had gone through every level and was almost going to be deported, which I think in and of itself, we need to sit back and think the United States and particularly the Biden administration said that we care about protecting LGBTQ people around the world. And here we are denying at every single stage protection for a Black queer man who has received death threats in a notoriously homophobic country, and we're going to send him back. Um, That in and of itself is wild to me. Um, But he was able to submit an application for a U visa, which is a special visa that's available for people who are victims of certain types of crimes in the United States. And um, Mr. White has unfortunately experienced has unfortunately been victimized by by different crimes while he's been living here. He submitted that application through his uh, attorney um, who at the New York Legal Assistance Group. And um, based on that application, he was able to file a motion to reopen his immigration case, right? Because he had a new grounds of eligibility of why he might be able to stay here in the United States. Um, he also is a more public persona now than when his immigration case started. We don't share his country of origin, but we share his full name, Paul White. He's he's asked us to share his full name um, because he wants to raise awareness about his situation in the campaign, but that it elevates and escalates the danger to him if he's deported to his home country. So based on those new facts, he was able to submit a motion to reopen his immigration case That motion is still pending. And in the meantime, ICE tried to deport him, picked him up, sent him to a holding facility in Louisiana. We're ready to put him on a deportation flight um, when his attorney was able to actually put in a motion uh, to stay, an emergency motion to stay, to halt, to temporarily halt his deportation The Board of Immigration Appeals actually approved that motion. And so right before he was able, he was going to get on that deportation flight, ICE had to then take him back, sent him back to the detention facility in Caroline. Now he's just sitting there waiting for that motion to reopen, to be adjudicated with no potential end in sight. Um, He could be released at any time. It's ICE's discretion. We've submitted or his attorneys have submitted. We've supported as his organizing team multiple requests for release. And every single time ICE turns it down and just keeps him almost indefinitely at this point in detention. So is there ever uh, like, is there a, 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 a how long can a case last? Like, are you? from what I'm hearing, and correct me uh, if if I'm misunderstanding, is in immigration prison, um, and they can be there solely for the fact that for whatever reason, their documentation either isn't there or has expired. A person can indefinitely be incarcerated for a status and or can be put into places like solitary confinement indefinitely without ever having a day in court. Am I understanding that correctly or am I misunderstanding 
I mean, legally, the Supreme Court will tell you that our Constitution does not allow for indefinite detention. And ICE will tell you that we have procedures in place to review people's custody. And we, of course, um, you know, we always only keep people in detention for, for a very specific amount of time while their deportation is reasonably foreseeable or any varieties of other sort of temporary uh, reasons. The reality is um, people sit in ICE detention while they're waiting for the pendency of their cases, which can take years, um, or people can sit in ICE detention after they've been ordered deported, but the government, for whatever reason, isn't able to effectuate the deportation. And so they can just sit there and sit there and sit there with the government claiming it's still reasonably foreseeable that we're going to deport this person. So we're just going to keep them here. Um, and I've seen cases where people have been in ICE detention for as long as seven years. I don't know, if Zach, if you've seen longer. Yeah, I think that's the number that we see. I think the length of detention um, for immigration detention, I think like 48% is two to four years. Um, so that's what? Um, if I do my math right, 48 months up to four years, that's a really long time. Uh, that's someone being uh, taken away from their community, from their loved ones, um, and how a lot of things are exacerbated when someone is inside these detentions. So let's say if someone has uh, medical issues like diabetes or um, in Paul's case of just like a lot of different things, their trauma and uh, realities are exacerbated. Um, I've seen records of just like folks being held for a really long time. Um, I know Paul who openly identifies as a part of the LGBTQ community. Uh, that's another thing to think about when social factors or uh, personal identities that folks hold, um, how that comes into play when they're in detention. And um, we try to organize as best uh, to be able to support the individual. Um, when one is in immigrant detention, people don't understand uh, since COVID happened, uh, the only way to communicate with folks has really been through phone calls, uh, through uh, apps that they use. I believe uh, Caroline Detention Facility uses Homeway, which is a video uh, app similar to Zoom or similar to uh, if you uh, remember Skype back in the day. Um, so like how to communicate with an individual, but these cost a lot of money. When someone is inside these immigrant prison, uh, commissary is very much needed. Uh, a lot of their uh, funds are used for things that cost like 10 times what it really should cost. And people are, uh, a lot of these companies are making huge profits of people inside these uh, facilities. Uh, that's why we are calling for the end of detention, abolishing these systems that continue to harm us and think of strategies of how to protect and uh, support and uh, be able to uh, improve our conditions rather than uh, negatively harm us. Yeah, I, I say, unfortunately, I've had people incarcerated in, in my family, and 
and, and remember the hardships, right? Um, um, and, and how hard it was to, to to support them, how hard it was to to get them through the emotional constraints of prison. And so I understand that, you know, Paul has a daughter. Um, can y'all talk to, like, just like the family constraints that community members have? And then also, you know, in theory, I've always heard. I'm happy to jump in real quick. Um, so Justin was asking about Paul's family uh, and just generally some of the family uh, dynamics that are impacted when somebody is detained um, in an immigration prison. Uh, Paul has a daughter here in the U.S. She was born here. He has a very close relationship with her. And I don't want to share too much about her because she's a teenager and her life is her life. But um, I will say that it's been really hard for him to be separated from her. And when we talk about family separation and kids being torn away from their parents at the border, kids are torn away from their parents in this country all the time, every single day, when a parent is put in jail, prison, or immigration detention. Um, and that, you know, every time I talk to Paul on the phone, he talks to me about how much he misses his daughter. That's the thing that's the hardest for him in detention. And it's also the thing that sort of keeps him going when he's feeling really down is to think about being reunited with his daughter. He tries to talk to her as much as he can, but as Zach mentioned, phone calls from detention um, can be expensive. And it's been incredible that we've been able to put together this organizing team around Mr. White. And so these different organizations, BLMP, that La Colectiva have been able to add money to his commissary um, to help him out um, and to help him be able to make these honestly life-saving calls for him and his family. Um, but not every person who's detained has that opportunity and has that access. Um, and by being in detention, that's just one source of income, that an entire source of income for the family that's missing. And so we as a group have done some fundraising um, to just raise money for basic needs uh, for his daughter and her mom, um, things like winter clothes, coats, boots, school supplies. These are things that he would be able to pay for if he was out in the community and doing what he loves. He's a chef. He loves to cook. Um, he has worked in sort of managed restaurants in the past. Um, but instead, you know, he can't take his daughter shopping for school supplies. This fall, he wasn't able to do that. We had to fundraise so that she could go out and, and get those school supplies and talk to him about it over the phone. Yeah. And then I just want to add, like, for those who are listening, just imagine if you are not there for your child's first day of middle school, uh, first time uh, being able to achieve this or that, or being able to uh, witness and understand and see when they achieve the greatness that we know a lot of our youth are doing nowadays, uh, that's being stripped away from Paul. Um, we have built this campaign to humanize Paul rather than uh, vilify him 
and many of the other folks who are in these immigrant prisons. And we are trying to connect them back uh, because we know that folks deserve the opportunity to be who they really are, uh, regardless of X, Y, and Z. Um, we are coming together to make sure that Paul doesn't miss any more missed opportunities with his uh, child, missed opportunities with his community, with his loved ones. Yeah, no, I um, I I, I can only uh, uh, imagine. Um, uh, you know, I. One of the things that I, you know, know to be true, right? Um, here in Connecticut, a couple of years ago, um, there was a campaign to stop solitary confinement. And so the UN, right, has said that anything past 15 days is considered torture. Um, and so, you know, I, I try to wrap my head around this. Um, if these systems aren't helping people, if these systems are are hurting people, uh, perpetuating violence, you know how you know how are we right? Uh, we are torturing a person right for forty five days, right? That is, from my understanding of what the UN has decided, right? Collectively, we understand it between languages and cultures that this is torture, right? You know, that how how can we right better get involved um, with this campaign to support Paul and his family? Um, so we are actually having a phone zap today um, because, as you said, Paul White is in solitary confinement right now as we speak, um, and it is more urgent than ever for ICE to understand that the community is watching and that we are continuing to demand his release. Um, and, you know, um, we know that this type of community pressure and building power can work. And so the phone zap is happening today from 1 to 2 p.m. Um, if you would like to get involved with that, um, I would say go online. Um, go to Instagram, social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, go to um, Queer Detainee Empowerment Project at Queer DEP, Queer Dep, and you'll find all of the information, how to sign up for the phones app, all the numbers to call, all the emails to send to the deportation officers. Um, they need to hear from us and they need to know that we're watching. Um, otherwise, uh, if you would like to get involved with the campaign longer term, we do have sort of a whole toolkit that folks can use um, with social media, um, with ways that you can support Paul, with fundraising, with letters that you can write, um, with opportunities to just tap in uh, so that we can give you updates and we can sort of talk about upcoming actions and mobilizations. Um, so I'm pulling up the links now for the toolkit um, and I'll read it out on the radio. I don't know if you have something to add while I'm pulling that up, Zach. Yeah, um, I know, as you mentioned, the UN uh, basically uh, identified that this is an inhumane practice in 20, I believe it's 2015. 
Um, and we are in 2022. That's seven years of that. We're still practicing something that the UN is saying, uh, y'all need to stop. And uh, the US and a lot of these private prisons, even uh, a lot of what we know, immigration detention or immigrant prisons to also be private prisons are practicing a lot of this. Um, we've come together as uh, myself, someone who's based in California. Um, so uh, hello from the West Coast. And we have been advocating on the state level to uh, reduce the ways that solitary confinement is impacting a lot of folks. Uh, the age that we set was 26 years or older. Um, we know that this practice is still being used for those who are in juvenile. Uh, this practice is being used for those who are in uh, jails and prisons. Uh, this is definitely being used as those are in immigration detention or immigrant prisons like Paul is. Uh, I believe Paul was uh, sentenced to 45 days. Uh, that's a really long time to be in solitary confinement. I don't know what it does to one's mental capacity, uh, their way of just impacting their body, their mind. Um, and I just uh, want to be able to make sure that Paul and no one else faces what solitary confinement is and that we come to a way to really abolish that and abolish a lot of these uh, things that are happening uh, for folks. Yeah, and I, I will say, um, so I believe in, in the UN in their discussion of solitary confinement, um, they've said that after 15 days, solitary confinement can enact irreversible damage in your mind, in your brain, in your health. Um, and so again, this is 45 days for Mr. White, and that's just this time. Um, this is, you know, one of many times he's been put in solitary confinement. And so Truly, I think um, even after he's released from detention, we're going to have a lot of work to do to provide support um, because of this mental torture that they're enacting on him. Um, and I'll also point out that just this year, in October 2022, um, the U.S. Government Accountability Office published a report um, about sort of actions uh, in immigration detention, abuses of solitary confinement in immigration detention. And so they're reporting on themselves in all of the abuses that are taking place. But even in that report, right, the recommendations are we need better reporting on how this is used. We need to make sure that it's not being overused. We need to make sure that we're not using it um, on people who have particular needs, people who have disabilities. Um, what Zach said is right. We just need to not use solitary confinement. It's a form of torture and no form of process and procedure is going to change that or make it better. Um, in terms of getting involved, I was going to mention sort of the toolkit that people can plug into. So yeah. if you're listening, if you're watching, uh, please feel free to uh, take a look at the free Paul White toolkit at b.link slash. This is the slash, the diagonal one. All right b.link slash free call toolkit f-r-e-e-p-a-u-l-p-o-o-l-k-i-t free call toolkit 
Um, and I also just wanted to read out just so that people have them, the other social media handles for the folks that are part of the campaign. So I already mentioned QDEP on Twitter and Instagram, they're QueerDEP. Um, La Colectiva on Twitter and Instagram, they're La Colectiva, uh, one L because this is Spanish, La Colectiva uh, 703. Um, Freedom to Thrive is on Twitter at Freedom to Thrive and Instagram at Freedom to Thrive, but the two is the number two. And Surge NYC, showing up for racial justice, NYC. It's on Twitter and Instagram, just as S-U-R-J NYC. Um, and Survived and Punished, NYC is on Twitter at, at Survive Punish. No, one thing you. I was gonna add is uh, with the toolkit, it's very case sensitive. Um, as Leanne mentioned, um, again, it's b.link, L-I-N-K, uh, slash uh, free with the F as in Foxtrot uh, capitalized, uh, P as in Papa Paul capitalized, and then toolkit, uh, the T as in Tango capitalized for toolkit. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. As we near the end of our time, I always ask people, um, you know, what's a song that we can connect uh, to to the movement? What's a song we can connect uh, to y'all? Um, thank you. I am not even going to butcher the brother's last name, so if you, you don't mind. Uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, so the song uh, that represents uh, our pre-Paul White campaign is uh, by an artist named Michael Kiwanuka, uh, and the song title is Home Again. Mm. I, I, I definitely, you know, um, yeah, we, we want everyone to be home again and, and to connect um, where, Zach, can people connect um, uh, with other campaigns or the information um, that uh, that uh, Leanne shared? That is the best information to connect on future campaigns and the work that y'all are doing. Yeah. Um, so many of us who are part of the Free Paul White uh, definitely identify as, I would say, abolitionists. Um, so as many times as you've heard myself or Leanne say abolish this, uh, what does that really mean? Um, so we have a hot take on it. Uh, hey. Our hot take is uh, really immigration detention, immigration prison, uh, solitary confinement. A lot of these things that we've been talking about are unreformable and should be abolished. Abolishing really means that we have them means an opportunity to have radical imagination come together as a collective and being able to think through what we want, what we need, what we deserve, as those are things that will support us rather than negatively impact us or harm us. Uh, when one thrives, we all thrive. And when one is harmed, we all are harmed. Yeah, that's not really a hot take. Like those are facts. Um, <laughs> right. 
I'm like last week. So, so those are facts. Yeah. So those are facts to us, but like your readers, um, they might take it uh, as a hot take and it becomes factual and hopefully they move on with it. We welcome y'all uh, as Justin was saying, how to get involved with us. Uh, Leanne shared out all of the organizations that are currently working on the free Paul. Uh, many of us are doing things outside of the free Paul. Uh, many of us are advocating for many different folks who are in immigration detention. Uh, many of us are supporting those that are uh, within the uh, that are currently here in the U.S. Uh, some of us uh, supporting global solidarity movements as well, too. Um, and being able to uh, join us, we have different ways that folks can get plugged in. Uh, if you're on social media, all of us have Instagram or uh, Twitter. Um, I know for the younger folks, we don't have TikTok. We're trying to get there. Uh, that's becoming a way for folks to organize. Um, and we are open for you all to join us, to learn with us, to grow with us. Well, uh, I am so excited uh, uh, to, to, to get involved and to, to communicate with y'all. Uh, I know many people who are going to listen to this, watch this, um, uh, are, are excited too. Uh, our best wishes to Paul, to his family, um, and thank you for the work that all y'all do. Um, you know, um, it was so great to have y'all on the show. So. Thank you for connecting with us today. WNHHFM 103.5. Uh, to our guests, Zach, Mohammed, Leanne, Gail, um, thank you again. Until next time, let us continue to plant the seeds of change so we can grow together. Yo, yo, the dog is here. Thanks for having us. Thank you all. Wow, we really have the East Coast and the West Coast.